We gave a little card last week, and we talked about a commitment that we could make. And I'll just read it. With God's help, I will follow His plan for financial blessings in my life. And the financial, the financial blessings that come, come when we follow God's Word for our lives. And so we talked about the order that God blesses as we spend our money. Well, the first thing we said was we dedicate our money to the Lord. We dedicate everything to God. Then we tithe, we give of our first fruits. Then we save and invest. And then we set up a repayment plan. And then we want to enjoy it. And, uh, and so those were five things. And many of you circled that, that side and you put that little card with your finances. And uh, I just believe that it's going to be a blessing and it will pay off over these next 10 years. Let me give you a little snapshot forward. We're looking forward to next week and the, uh, actually two more weeks of Decade of Destiny. Next week, we're going to talk about your spiritual health and um, leaving a spiritual legacy. And you won't want to miss next week. And then we'll conclude our series looking at our intellectual uh, side of things and uh, look at our job and our work skills. And uh, that will be fun. We will bring a closing to our time of Decade of Destiny. Um, and as we then, we'll just be a couple weeks away from Easter, if you can believe it, and uh, looking forward to Easter as well. And uh, it's going to be awesome. But today, oh, today. <laughs> oh, I have perhaps struggled more with this message than uh, with uh, any message in the near future or in the near history. Um, today we're going to talk about your physical health. And I know that God has a word for you, and I know that God wants to illuminate some things, but I know that this is a touchy subject. And I know that a lot of pastors, a lot of churches wouldn't even ever talk about your body or your health or anything like that. And, uh, and so I'm asking the Holy Spirit for some help this morning. I do have a confession to make. Uh, I was spared as a kid from a lot of things that could have harmed me physically, harmed my body. We were the type of family growing up, I often say that we were kind of like the Leave it to Beaver family on Christian steroids, if you can know what I mean. Some of your families are like that too. It's not all bad. But growing up, we uh, were the type that had the little saying, whether we said it or not, we don't drink, we don't smoke, and we don't chew. And we certainly don't hang around those that do, right? And we, that's not entirely true, but we had somewhat of that mentality. In fact, I remember growing up, and uh, when I think about you know, the things that I was spared from, I appreciate my family. In fact, one time, we were driving uh, to go out to the lake. My grandma and I were sitting in the back seat of my dad's 1976 Lincoln Town car, a boat of a car, if you know what I'm talking about. And we're sitting in the back, and uh, I remember telling my grandma, and some of you have heard this story, I remember saying, Grandma, I need a testimony. I need to smoke or to drink or to do something so I can have a testimony. My grandma lovingly came alongside me and said, you know, Ben, you know, you know being spared from those things is probably the greatest testimony, and she, she kind of helped. Now, I can stand here and say that I've never smoked a cigarette, all right? I, I've, had, I've tasted alcohol on two, maybe three occasions. Uh, and one time on our honeymoon, we thought we were all that. I'm not... Parents, 
I, I'll save, I'll save the, that one because there's some young people here. I don't want to encourage in that way at all. But, um, but let me, let, and I, I've never chewed tobacco or anything like that. I, you know, I, uh, for the most part, my language is pretty clean. And, uh, you know, there's things, you know, physically, you know, that, that I do. And I'm in you know, pretty good shape. But I'll tell you, we all have our vices, don't we? For me, if you've been out to lunch or been out to, uh, uh, you know, breakfast with me, um, Rick, you've been out to uh, lunch or breakfast with me on a few occasions. Um, what is my favorite breakfast hors d'oeuvre before breakfast? You know. Tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. Tony, when we go, what do I get? I get a cinnamon roll, don't I? <laughs> As many of you have been out with me, and I get a cinnamon roll to start because I love cinnamon rolls, and I love candy bars and milkshakes and fast food and these types of things. And until a few years back, uh, and I never was able to gain weight, believe it or not. In fact, in high school, I would drink these protein shakes trying to put on weight so I could be a little stronger on the basketball court. And uh, I was never able to gain weight. But one day, I decided to live on a billboard, and some of you know this story, for eight days, trying to raise money. We raised about $60,000 for me and two other guys uh, living on a billboard for eight days. And for that eight days, people thought it was great to bring us shakes and milkshakes, uh, uh, pizzas, morning snacks, afternoon snacks, evening snacks. I remember calling Domino's, which was just right down the road, and they said, anytime you want a pizza this week, it's on us. And I'll tell you, we ordered pizza after pizza after pizza. And the thing was, we are on a little narrow thing, about twice the size of this, harnessed in all day long. I had no exercise. And, you know, we drank water. You know, we had, well, Pepsi, they sponsored us. So they gave us as many Mountain Dews as we wanted. And Aquafina. And so we drank a little water, drank a little Mountain Dew, probably a little more Mountain Dew than we should have. And uh, the, let me just say, the porta potty was well used, okay? <laughs> but but uh, that week, those eight days, was the first time in my life I had a post or a uh, pre billboard weight and then a post billboard weight. And I still, uh, I gained 15 pounds in that one week. Now, I lost about 10 of those pounds within the next week, and so I had a, you know, like I said, a pre-billboard weight. I was five pounds heavier after those eight days. I like to eat, and since that time, I have had the little slogan, and some of you do this too, I exercise so I can eat, right? And that has been my mantra, and those of you that exercise with me, ride bikes or things like that, I've talked about that. And now, at the old age of 34. I know some of you are wondering, how old is that, Pastor? I know I'm 34. I have to be careful what I eat. And some of you have experienced that. It catches up with you. This year for Christmas, my wife got a Wii Fit. Okay, we already had the Wii game. She got the Fit something or other. And I got on that thing right at Christmas time, you know, and, uh, you know, standing there. They go through this exercise thing, and they give you your Wii Fit age, which is demoralizing, okay? <laughs> But just my weight, according to my height and uh, where I should be, that we, I was about to throw it through the basement wall, it said that I was overweight. 
And I'm thinking, okay, this little kid's toy, tell me I'm overweight. How dare it do that? And I know some of you are saying, if he's overweight, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble, right? And uh, that's okay. But today, uh, I, I did some research this last week, and uh, it's interesting that nearly seven out of ten of us Americans are overweight. Wow. 68%, in fact. Another statistic I ran across is that diabetes and heart attack have exploded as a pandemic. They're calling it pandemic diseases in the last 10 years. You say, why? It's because of weight-related issues. 80 million people in the United States are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And I know many of us here are in that circumstance. The Center for Disease Control, interesting statistic, in 1995, they noted that out of the 50 states in America, 51 states including, um, yep, (laughs) thank you, not one of those states had a percentage higher than 20% obesity in their state. So all the states across the United States 20% or less were considered obese. Well, last year, 2010, not one, not one state in 16 years, 15 years, I should say, not one state was below 20% obesity. We are packing on the pounds. (laughs) And it's interesting that there is... As infectious diseases across the the world are declining because of medicine, modern medicine things, chronic diseases are on the rise. And in the next 10 years, it's estimated that 20 million people will die from infectious diseases. And that's that's unacceptable. We we need to to come alongside and we need to be praying for miracles in in medicine uh, to tackle those things. But what's even worse is that 50 million people will die from chronic diseases. In the next 10 years, more people will die from diabetes and heart disease than from infectious diseases. And those are manageable problems. Those are things that we can work on. And it's interesting that for the first time in history, globally, across the world, as many people are dying from obesity or being overweight or related things that are related to, to that, than are dying of malnutrition. And we have a problem. And so as we consider this decade of destiny, looking forward to the things that God has for us, I couldn't escape. I wanted to just go on to the next topic, trust me. But I couldn't escape the idea that we want success in every area of our lives. And the truth is, as I stand here, you know what you need to do. We know that we need to eat healthy and to eat less. We need to exercise. We need to move it, move it, like the song says on Madagascar. We need to get enough sleep. We need to lower our stress. We need to rest more in our lives. And there's really nothing I can teach you today. So with that, I close and let's pray. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) There's more. Because in reality, you know what you need to do. But I want to talk about our motivation, the why. Why do you or why do we not stick with our diets or with our exercise or with our resolutions? Why don't they work? In many cases, it's because we have the wrong motivation. 
It's often superficial reasons, shallow. And I can't read what else it says there, but other things like that. I want to focus on three things this morning as our time. I want to first talk about God, God's Word, what God's Word says about our bodies, okay? And then in light of what God's Word says about our bodies, I want to come back and look at some practical research, some steps in light of God's Word, some things that I think all of us need to do uh, probably in the next month or so. And then I want to look at something very unique, God's prescription for your health. A unique, something you're not going to see at the health food store, you're not going to read it in Health Magazine, um, but uh, a unique way uh, to challenge us in a, a different way. But I want you to turn with me uh, first as we look at God's Word and what God's Word says about our bodies to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we will start. This is a classic uh, section of Scripture that talks about our bodies. Um, it's, there are several things in here that are countercultural. We've ta- been talking about going against the flow. The world's going this way, and we should be going this way in most areas of our lives. This is certainly one of those. This is what you're about to hear. The media, our culture, you're not going to hear these things um, on the nightly news. Um, but listen to what it says about our bodies in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, first of all, everything is permissible for me. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Everything's permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for for me, he says it again, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute, or for anyone for that matter, is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who ignites, or ignites, unites himself with the Lord is one with him in the Spirit. And thank the Lord for that. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And then verse 19 and 20 are great. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The first thing I want to focus on this morning is that the Holy Spirit is living inside of your body if you are a believer. The Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Verse 19, we can look at that. It says, you are not your own. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? The temple? God is living inside of us? Well, traditionally, God has found a place from the beginning of time to dwell In the Old Testament, it might have been in a tent that kind of traveled with the people of God. Then it was a temple that was built. Well, now, after Jesus died on the cross, he was raised from the dead, his spirit lives inside of us. He dwells inside of us. You are the temple. God put his spirit inside your spirit. 
You know what's interesting about that is that we don't think about that very often, at least I don't. The idea of God's house, we honor God's house around here. We don't you know, let kids run up the wall or we don't spray paint you know, or, or you know, if, when we make a spill or something, we clean it up. We want to take care of God's property. In fact, if you were driving down the road and you saw someone vandalizing our church, you would do one of two things. You'd either go and stop the, the people, right? Or you'd call the cops. But how often, how, t- how many times do Christians vandalize their temple? All the time. With what you put in it, with your sleep schedule, with not taking care. Well, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And I want you to understand that He lives inside of you. He wants to dwell inside of you. And we need to be very careful. The number two thing is that our bodies are God's property. He owns us. We do not own our own body. Look at the end of verse 13. It says here, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Verse 19, the last part says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and then you accept him as your Savior, your body becomes his. The creator, God, he owns it all. And God owns it, and he expects you, number three, to manage your body. The third thing is I must manage my body. God expects us to do it. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, uh, he says, look, everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The Bible is not meant for sexual immorality again, but for the Lord. I am, the, I am not the owner. I am the manager of my body. And so just like we talked about last week with our finances, we need to be good stewards of our bodies. I cannot blame anyone for the misuse or the abuse of my body. In fact, I believe that we will give an account for our bodies. God, at some point, will say, what did you do with what I gave you? Life is a test on multiple levels, and we must be prepared. The last thing that I think is interesting out of this passage is that our bodies will be resurrected. Look at verse 14. It says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Pretty cool idea that God, he doesn't waste anything. Uh, Some people would say God is green. He recycles, right? He's going to recycle our bodies. And that is how important our bodies are to him, that he would take care. He's not going to throw us out. He's going to reinvent us. He's going to give us a new body. Some people say, what does that look like? Well, I don't know what that will look like. But I do know that Jesus, he lived in a glorified body after he was raised from the dead, and people recognized him. And so I think we'll be recognized. He was able to walk through walls. And so, I mean, the hope of that is pretty exciting. I want to get to heaven just to be able to go right through the wall. And uh, that would be exciting to me. But you know what's interesting? The Bible says that our bodies will be without blemish, will be perfect in form. And it happens because of the power of God inside of us. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 has a very challenging 
scripture here uh, about our bodies. And I never really looked at it in this way until this week. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, young and old, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Very interesting verse to me. It says that we offer our bodies, not our souls. It says we offer our physical bodies. And that as we do that, it's our spiritual act of worship. Church, taking care of your health, taking care of your body is a spiritual act of worship. Because God created your body, first of all. Jesus died for your body. The Spirit lives in your body, and your body is going to be resurrected. You are expected to take care of it in the meantime. And listen, as we care for our bodies, it's more than just looking good or feeling good or living longer. And those things are all very good things. It's more than that. It's a spiritual discipline. And I believe that the healthier you are, the healthier I am, the more God can bless us. And the more God can use us, it's like our money. I said last week that with our money, if we are in an indebted circumstance where we have heaps of debt, if God were to call us to the mission field or call us to do something, for many, many would be limited by resources, especially if we're in an indebted circumstance. I believe the same thing is true about our health that if we are not monitoring our health, God, he, he would not be able to use us the way we would want to. Now, I called someone this week that is very, very important to me. Someone that I admire greatly, that has been for years and years, probably one of the most self-disciplined people I know when it comes to their health. And that's my mom. I called her this week and said, Mom, I'm struggling with this. And I kind of gave her an idea of where I was going and uh, gave her some highlights of what I was thinking. And I said, Mom, do you have any insights for the church? And, uh, and, she, and she automatically, first of all, my mom for years has uh, just, I mean, she eats, she never overeats. I've never seen her uh, be a glutton or uh, eat too much, or she's always eating in moderation. Um, she also drinks just a ton of water, um, and uh, it's something that she learned. She told me, uh, I said, Mom, why do you drink so much water? She said she read it in a book called Food for Thought. She thought, she thought that's what the, and it was full of scripture and about God and his word um, being like the water and, and how the water refreshes us uh, health, you know, to make us healthy, all these things. But what was interesting about what my mom said when I was asking her about this, um, she said, you know, uh, she said, Ben, from the time I was a young girl, I believed God's promises. And she remembered back in uh, elementary school, you know, hearing scripture and taking it to heart and never departing from that scripture, different things in her life. And, uh, and she said, you know, God's word uh, has transformed my mom's health is what she was saying. She said, God's word has helped me to, to manage my body well. 
And she, you know, she talked about, you know, there's lots of scriptures on gluttony, about too much of anything is bad, eating moderately. And what she also encouraged, and I just want to kind of add this in here, is that God's word in our family kind of led to a lifestyle of eating healthy. And she just wants to encourage us as for those of us that have kids in the home, that it's our responsibility to pass some of those, those treasures on. But she talked about God's promises that are lifelong. And she said, Ben, she said, people just need to believe God's word and to put it into action. And so whether it's about drinking water or eating in moderation, she said, she, she told me this verse and I looked it up. Turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. She, she said this over the phone. Um, um, I caught her while they were out. But she said, she re- referred to this verse. It says, so whatever, or whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So no matter what we are doing, whether we're eating, whether we're drinking, whether, whatever activity we might be doing, our job, we were created to lift up and to glorify God. And I appreciated my mom's perspective. I did some other research, and boy, there is a lot of research you can do on this subject, let me just say. You could research allergens and toxins that are in our food. You can look at the benefit or the, the, the harmfulness of junk food. Uh, you can you know, study proteins and carbohydrates and sugars and blood pressures and cholesterol. You can study sleep patterns, how that affects your health and exercise and eating, all these things. But I ran across something that I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of this. Um, it's called knowing your five. Has anyone ever heard of this? I'd never heard of it. Okay, and this might be like a totally off. I did call a couple people and they said, no, that's, that's on the right, right path. And uh, it's from a company called Lifeline. They, they, you can actually buy a little kit that they'll send to you. It's about 50 bucks and uh, it'll measure these five things in your life. And I just want to kind of go over this real quickly. It says, first of all, why should you know, or these are the five things. You should know your blood pressure, your waist size, your weight, your cholesterol levels, and your fasting blood sugar. And let me say why real quick. It says, first, blood, high blood pressure and hypertension is a serious medical condition that many people don't know they have. It can lead to cardiovascular disease, chronic kidney disease, and stroke. So we need to know our blood pressure. Okay, church? The second thing is our waist size. It says a large waistline nearly doubles the risk of dying prematurely. Why? Because belly fat sends a toxic stream of chemicals throughout your whole body. Pretty interesting. And so we got to be careful. We need to know our waist size. The next thing is your weight. Obesity can cause health problems such as cardiovascular disease, some other disease, reflux disease. (laughs) I couldn't read it. Gout. I have no idea what that is. Hypertension, high blood pressure, and cancer. Wow. All those things by your weight. Obesity. The next one, cholesterol levels. High cholesterol is a major risk factor of cardiovascular disease. Your HDL, the healthy cholesterol, needs to be 50 or better. And your LDL, your unhealthy cholesterol, should be under 100. And then the last one is your fasting blood sugar. Testing your fasting blood sugar measures the risk of diabetes, a chronic disease that can lead to blindness, cardiac disease, kidney failure, nerve problems, and impaired immunity, an impaired immune system. Wow. Those five things, your blood pressure, waist, height, or, uh, weight, 
waste, cholesterol levels, fasting blood sugar. These are things that we need to know. And you can go online and you could you know, know your five and uh, you could order one of these kits. Although at the end of the service, I want to talk about uh, an option. You could do something very similar for free and we'll talk about that at the end. But as your pastor, I never thought I would ever say this. But church, get a colonoscopy. And ladies, schedule a mammogram, okay? As hard as those things are, God's Word, Psalm 119.73, says that God made our bodies, and then it says, now heed His instructions. Now, God's Word doesn't say get a colonoscopy or a mammogram, but we understand from science and from history that the wisdom is to do these things. Because it's interesting, as I read about colonoscopies, and there's um, colon cancer is uh, uh, something that is in my family line. And it is scary. My grandpa had a huge amount of his intestines removed, and he's been healthy since, but uh, it runs in my family. And to, to be able to get a test like that, to you know, get early detection, can save so much. Another verse here, Deuteronomy 32, verses 46 and 47, talks about that these instructions are not merely words, talking about God's laws and God's encouragement. It says, they are your life. And obey, if you obey, you will enjoy long life. And so we say these things out of love. And I, and I want to encourage you in your health. And I want you to come alongside you, knowing that our health is so important. And what God has put in my heart is that we, I can be an encouragement, a mouthpiece for the Lord, and maybe encourage someone this morning to do some of these things uh, and to, to get on our way to better health. Amen. Amen. I think that's God's heart. I want to close this morning looking at four things. God's prescription for health. And I want to take you to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I understand if you know God's word uh, and you know Proverbs chapter 3, you're saying that really doesn't talk about health at all. But I want to read these 10 verses and then I want to pull some truth out of them. And then There's a kicker at the end, the fourth thing um, that my mom really wanted to emphasize um, and I want to share with you and then we'll be done. Verse, chapter three, verse one. It says, my son and daughter, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Thank the Lord. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Thank the Lord. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Verse 9 continued, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. There are four things, God's prescription for health. And the first one, and this is not something you're going to read in a health magazine or see on 
the Dr. Oz show. We were talking about that this week. <laughs> the first thing is that we need to trust God. Did you know that trusting God is good for your health? Yes. Write it down. Trust God. You say, well, why? Well, because if you're trusting God, you're not worrying. Right. See, you can worship or you can worry. You can pray or you can panic. But if you pray, if you worship, you won't panic. Psalm 116 verse 7 says, relax. The Lord takes care of you. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, just a couple of verses over from, from chapter 3 there. It says here, verse 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body. So it's not just what you eat that matters. It's the things inside of us, trusting God, not being resentful, not be, having bitter or anger or revenge or guilt. Those things are like poisons inside of our bodies, like a fire burning your insides. And so we need to avoid those things and we need to put our trust in the Lord. Amen? The second thing is very powerful. We need to confess our sins to the Lord. Confessing your sins is good for your health. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 32. This is a, just an awesome chapter in the Bible. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5 says this, says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no, no deceit. But when I kept silent, when I tried to conceal my sin, when I tried to hide my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Your strength was sapped as the heat of the sun. But then verse 5 says this, But then I acknowledged my sin to you, confessing. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And at that, he forgave the guilt of my sin. There's something about being free from sin. One of the healthiest things you can do is receive God's forgiveness. So don't carry around resentment or fear or worry, guilt, legalism, jealousy. Don't carry your sin, your envy for the next 10 years. Release those things to God. Ask God for help. And so we trust God. We confess our sins. And number three, giving generously is good for your health. Did you know that? Every time I give, my heart gets bigger. It breaks a grip of materialism in your life. There are so many promises in God's word about giving to be like God, who is a giving God. Every time you give, I believe you are healthier, not only in your mind, in your soul, but even in your body. I don't think there's an, uh, an accident why, uh, when you look at the word miser, M-I-S-E-R, that's the same root in the word miserable. <laughs> Misers are miserable. But the Bible says a generous man, Proverbs 11.25, will prosper. He who refreshes others, will he himself be refreshed. And I want to be refreshed. I want you to be refreshed. And so you need to be generous. 
We trust God. We confess our sins. We give generously. Those things are good for your health. And the last thing, I couldn't avoid it. And my mom said, Ben, don't avoid this one. She said, preach it. (laughs) Having fun is good for your health. And some of you needed to hear that this morning. Proverbs 17, 22, you can turn there with me. It says, a cheerful heart is like good medicine. A cheerful attitude, a happy heart, a fun-loving, a laughter-filled heart is good medicine. Life was meant to be enjoyed. Amen? Not to be just endured. God created everything for our enjoyment. We need to learn to laugh at ourselves. Uh, I was thinking about this. We need to put play in our everyday. I love that. And, uh, and I also wrote in my notes here, the family that plays together will stay together, right? The bottom line is you need to have some fun. I need to have some fun. And my mom, as I was telling her that I wanted to talk about that, but I was unsure, I'm like, you know, what do you think, mom? She said, you better preach that. <laughs> And my mom, her encouragement, and some of you guys know my mom, said, she said, schedule fun in your life. You only have one life to live. And then she talked about family memories. And I just want to take a second on this. Family memories. Do things with your family. You will treasure those times. My mom was nearly in tears you know, if you've been around, just a, you know, every year my parents, uh, they are very generous. They've flown my family and me to Florida to be with them. Um, every, I think every year since Reagan's been born. And uh, quite a blessing. That's a, quite an investment. And they are able to do that. They've been very uh, diligent, uh, good with their money. But my mom, she's reflecting. Just a couple weeks ago, we were in Florida. She said, Ben, remember when we were at the African safari? <laughs> Remember those pictures? Remember, you know, uh, she's like, we went to this alligator alley and uh, we walked uh, or actually rode bikes through this alley. And, and she said, remember the picture we took with you like a foot away from that alligator? Some of you guys saw it on Facebook. <laughs> Jessica posted it. And she's like, those are priceless memories. Those are fun things. Your house needs to be filled with laughter, my mom would say. She says, make time for the fun. And I'll just tell you, I know people, and some of you here may find yourself in this situation where it has been a long time since you've done anything fun or that you've laughed or that you've you know, spent some money on your family. The question I have for you, when is the last time you've had fun or laughed or enjoyed something you do? Some of you have hobbies that you haven't picked up in years. And I would just encourage you, find some time to knit or to sew or to shoot a basketball, to shoot a gun, shoot the kids. I don't care. You know, find some time. Laser tag. That's right. I don't know what you were thinking. Find some time in your life. If you want to be healthy, plan something fun. I'm not talking about being irresponsible. All right, that life is all fun and games, okay? We, we understand that. And I know that some of you are facing some things that are very challenging in your lives. I understand that. But in light of that, how much more do we need to carve out some time to do some things that we enjoy? Amen?
In conclusion, I hope you're challenged with these thoughts of our health, of your health. Some of you are sitting here realizing you need to change. And I've got a question. Do you want to get well? There's a great parable in John chapter 5 that talks about this paraplegic man that had been inflicted for 38 years. And what was interesting is that as Jesus came by, the man was there, and he kind of reached out, and Jesus asked him this question, do you want to get well? It's interesting that he asked that. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm here, I'm, I'm waiting, I've been 38 years for some miracle, but Jesus still asked the question. And some of you, as you consider that question, do you want to get well? I'd ask you, where do you want to be in the next year or three years or 10 years in the decade of destiny, health-wise? Do you desire more energy, a sharper mind, the brightest smile possible, a strong body? Do you want to get well? I hope you do. If you do, it takes some work. It takes some effort. It takes some discipline, like all things that are worth anything in life right? I want to challenge you to take a nugget of truth, one or two things maybe this morning, and say, you know, as Pastor talked about having fun, I need to work some fun in my life. As God talked about trusting, as Ben talked about trusting God, I, I really need to stop worrying so much. As, God, as he talked about giving, I need, I need to be a generous giver. I, I know I do. Or maybe it's something practical. Maybe it's taking a step uh, to know your five. Maybe you go online and, and Google that and get that test. It would be worth it. It, would, it could save your life to know your blood pressure and your waist size, your weight, your cholesterol, your blood sugar. You know, about eight months ago, I did something very similar to this. Um, I, I went and I had an assessment on my body and kind of hook you up, and you get your weight, and they measure, and, and all these things, and it prints out this thing, um, and, it, and it kind of tells you how you're doing, and it actually, I kind of made fun of the we. The same thing the we said <laughs> uh, was true last fall, or, or maybe last summer, at the end of the summer, when I had this assessment done, and I called up the person that did the assessment this week, and I said, hey, you know, I, I want to challenge our people to, to be healthy, I said, is there a way that we could, you know, offer that to our people at no charge? And uh, how about that? Yeah. Don't pay $50. And the person generously said, look, if people come up to you or email you saying, hey, I want to know about, more about what you did, um, I will offer it free of charge to anyone from the Gateway Church. Pretty cool. And so maybe that'll challenge some of you to say, hey, I'll do that. And so shoot me an email. Get online, email me, call the church, and we'll hook you up with this, with this company. And I'll tell you, it could bless your life. This morning, I believe God is speaking through worship, through his word. God is challenging us in our lives. And I hope you, you sense that. And this morning, I want to, as we close, literally close this time, to think about one tip 
or one action point. For me, when I had that assessment done last year, they, they, they said I needed more protein in my diet because my activity, uh, I, I, was, I needed more protein and I needed more water. And I tried to you know, put those things. Those were some of the action plans. But you know what? This morning, someone might be here today and they need to confess their sins. They need to get their life right with the Lord. And we're going to address that here in a second. But no matter where you are, I want you to know that this idea of our health, it is a spiritual act of worship. And God is interested in your health. And he wants you to be healthy and strong for his glory, for his honor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your grace is so good. You love us so much. And Lord, in this moment, as we close our service, I pray for a confirmation in your spirit that will just pierce the heart of your people to take a nugget or two to address their, their issues about being health-wise. Lord, thank you for your help in preparation this week. Um, thank you for bringing your word in a powerful manner this morning for your people to hear. And God, I pray that we would be the folks that would say, yes, I want to be well. When you ask us, do you want to get well? And Lord, I pray that you would give us the, the discipline, the right motivation to honor you with our lives, like 1 Corinthians says. Whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, we do it for your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen.